winning ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. All right, well, welcome back for another edition of Winning Ponies. Glad you're tuning in. I brought up two excellent guests, some guys that we go way back in the racing game, but that doesn't mean they're all just old farts. They really stay on top of their job. We've got uh, the, the Daily Racing Forum Eclipse Award-winning writer Marty McGee's going to be with us. Uh, Marty's got the... the uh, both guys are from Louisville, and boy, he could either be in Louisville right now, or he could be down in Hollywood, Florida, and uh, I think he made the wise decision of being in Florida for the winter. But anyhow, we're going to talk to Marty. He, he's been covering uh, Gulfstream, and he, he's going to kind of give us the inside. The amount of, of graded stakes races is just unbelievable, both on the east and west coast. At Gulfstream... Let me count them. One, two, three, four graded stakes races and four, four grade three stakes races and four grade two stakes races. Fantastic. Out at Santa Anita, what do you got for me? How about three grade ones in a pick three? Beholder, Frank Kilrow, and the Santa Anita Handicap will close out the card. But earlier in the card, you got three grade two races in a pick three. The San Carlos, the Buena Vista, and the San Felipe, which is a race we'll probably talk about a little bit later in the show uh, with my friend Byron King. Uh, Byron, as you know, is the news editor of the Blood Horse, and he's fresh off a, a road trip to Hot Springs to go to Oak Lawn. So he's going to share with us his kind of Charles Corralt-like on-the-road segment of what it was like to, to be out there for the fantastic racing program they put on over the weekend. Did we see a derby winner? Well, maybe we did, but... It could be a girl, not a guy. Secret oath, dominant in the honeybee. I'll let Byron King get on to that. He's the one that gets paid to be the news editor, not me. So Marty and Byron are going to come on. We've got these amazing cards uh, to present to you, which gives you all the more reason in the world to say, hey, this is going to be a great Saturday to go over and pull down the easy win forms at Winning Ponies. They're easy to access. They don't cost much. And look at these winners. Yes, just yesterday, folks, bing, bada, boom at Gulfstream Park. It was the seventh race. We gave out a $1 super high five that paid 2256 you like apples? How do you like them apples? Well, I got the whole orchard for you here this afternoon at Gulfstream Park. Right out of the box in the first race, another super high five. This one paying $3,300. You don't believe me? Go to the site. We show all of our picks to play, and we show how they did at the end of the day. Going to be a great day Saturday to pull down the easy win forms. All right, let's get on to some of the news that's going to be happening. Well, one of the... Uh, three-year-old prep races is going to be the the, the the Gotham Stakes, and we know one horse uh, who's going to be heading towards New York, probably for the Wood, which will be the next step after the Gotham Stakes. But we were hoping to see this horse in the Fountain of Youth, but Mo Donegal 
who was probably going to be the slight favorite for Saturday's Fountain of Youth. They say he's got a low-grade fever. I think his fever is number 12. And when I say that, it's because that's the post position he drew in a short run to the turn (laughs) in the Fountain of Youth. So I think Todd Pletcher is playing a pretty good chess game here. He said, you know what, let's just go on up to New York and see what we draw in the Wood Memorial. We'll get into the Derby one way or the other. does have points for running uh, uh, third in the um, recent Holy Bull Stakes. So we're going to miss him, but we're going to have a fantastic Fasic Tipton Fountain of Youth. But Mo Donegal will not be with us. Now, um, if you're getting ready to play Santa Anita on Friday, you got news for you. You're going to come up with an empty card. Uh, it's uh, going to be uh, raining quite a bit there. And as you know, that the tracks out there aren't really built to hold a whole lot of moisture, certainly not the turf courses. So they're going to scratch Friday's card and move the exact same card to Monday. First post will be 1230 on Monday. But the exact, if you pull down the PPs or wherever you get your information, Whatever you see for Friday will be run on Monday at Santa Anita. All right, let's take a look at two outstanding top mares. Latruska competed in the Royal Delta last weekend, and uh, she had (laughs) everything uh, go as smooth as silk in the Royal Delta, confidently handled around the turn and uh, built an imposing advantage and just glided home with her ears pricked, never out of a high gallop. Latruska is going to be one to watch. Now, you you may recall that, uh, you know, last year she became a household name when she uh, defeated champion and uh, Matamoy girl in the grade one Apple Blossom and trainer Fausto Gutierrez says, guess what? We're going back for another bite of the apple blossom at Oaklawn Park. Can't wait to see that race. And then this afternoon, Kamari. Ring a bell? Yeah. A really fast Wesley Ward trainee who likes the grass. Was purchased for $2.7 million at the November sale at Phasic Tipton by Coolmore. We assumed uh, to become an uh, outstanding broodmare. But uh, nope, they put the grade one winner back in training, and she just romped this afternoon in an allowance race at Gulfstream Park. So uh, it's her first start since she put in a dull effort uh, at Del Mar in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. But uh, that race, well, won by her stablemate. That's right, Westward trained Golden Pal. So uh, her uh, goal at the end of the year, uh, she's back in the Ward Barn, by the way, uh, is to go back to that race uh, at, at Keeneland at the end of the year. All right. Uh, we do have finalists for the Hall of Fame and got some pretty famous ladies in there. How about four-time Eclipse winner Beholder is among the six racehorses uh, that have been chosen. Uh, how about these girls? Uh, the other ones, Blind Luck, Arve de Grasse, Kona Gold, Rags to Richen and Teppen. Wow, it's Teppen's first year of eligibility, as a matter of fact. In the trainer category, uh, Christine Clement, Graham Motion, uh, Doug O'Neill, and John Sheriffs, and long overdue, Jackie Corey Nakatani. They will be the finalists still to be voted upon for the 
National Museum Hall of Fame in August at Saratoga. All right, our Jackie of the Week from the Jackie's Guild, Ramon Vasquez, uh, won the Rebel with his one-eyed long shot. He got Jackie of the Week. He's 38 years old, native of Puerto Rico. You'll see him ride between Lone Star, Remington, and Oaklawn Park. He's had multiple leading riders. Uh, his weekly stats, 20 starts, three wins, six seconds and a third, 50% in the money. Congratulations to Ramon Vasquez. And if you wonder where you can find Madonna's spirit, well, her spirit will remain in, in her ashes, I believe, at Old Friends Farm. That's right. Uh, Michael Blowen found a resting place uh, for uh, the great Finished first in the Derby, as you know, subsequently uh, disqualified. But uh, Medina Spirit will be buried at Old Friends. That's going to be uh, an open house Tuesday, April 5th from 1230 in the afternoon to 230. And you can visit the gravesite and play, pay your respects to that great athlete there at Old Friends in Georgetown, Kentucky. Remember, it is open to the public. So, uh, you know, uh, Byron King, who we're going to have on later, uh, does his weekly Derby Dozen for the Blood Horse. And uh, he's going to be a busy guy at the end of Saturday because the Fountain of Youth has a slew of horses that are currently on the Derby Dozen list from the inside. Uh, Simplification, second in the Holy Bowl. In due time, one of these mysterious horses that has yet to run in a stake that Byron has been following. Of course, Rattle and Roll, who rolled the victory in the Breeders' Futurity, is a Ken McPeak trainee who's coming a little late to the dance for the Derby. But, hey, we'll find out. I don't got a feeling he's not running for the top spot in here. Or if he doesn't get it, certainly won't break his heart. And then we got another one of these Byron King uh, take a look at horses because he's never run in a stakes race, but is undefeated, and that's the Todd Pletcher trainee, Emmanuel. The other one, Mo Donegal, will have to wait for a trip to New York uh, before we see him go again. Um, again, uh, looking back at the races we handicapped with Vic Stauffer uh, last week at, at Oaklawn Park, uh, the Honey Bee, Really impressive. Can't wait to hear what Byron has to say about this one. Secret oath trained by the coach, B. <laughs> D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, this horse just uh, seems to have done everything correctly. It really seems to stretch out well. It was a mile and a 16th, rated, and just blew him away by seven and a half. Uh, Ice Orchid, who's a, a nice horse who's developing well, ran second, but it was secret oath's story and game in the honeybee uh stopped the clock and 144.74 later in the day the rebel grade two million dollar race was run in 145.69 meaning that secret oath ran a full second plus faster then the upset winner Uno Koju, who paid 152.80, popping out of a rumble through the jungle in the final furlong. It kind of looked like a D. Wayne Lucas trainee. Ethereal Road was going to get there, uh, but it was Uno Ojo, which means one eye in Spanish. And yes, 
the gelding has just one eye. In the third spot was Barbara Road, who was really closing like a bat out of hell. I have to watch for that colt down the road. He's trained by Asmussen. Well, that's a look at the races we handicapped last week, preview of what we're going to do this week, and in just a few minutes, we're going to get a chance to the man who's Boots on the ground at Gulfstream Park. Eclipse award-winning writer from the Daily Racing Forum, the one and only Marty McGee. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with us now, Eclipse Award winning writer Marty McGee from his usual winter abode down there in the Sunshine State. Marty McGee, how are you? Doing great, John. Looking forward to some good racing here at Gulfstream Park uh, this coming weekend. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know how you're going to keep your head on. I, I trust the form has sent some other people down to cover some of these races, but four grade threes and four grade twos, uh, quite the uh, betting menu and quite a difficult one for you to keep track of all these really nice horses, Marty. Yeah. Well, Mike Welsh is down here year round, as you know, John, he's been with the form since the early seventies and I've been coming here to help him, uh, since uh, the mid '90s, uh, off and on, mostly on, and uh, yeah, we've got a system. We got Marcus Hurst throwing in from Chicago on a, on a few of these undercard races. So uh, America's Turf Authority has you covered. Absolutely, they always do. Well, eight graded races, <laughs> yeah, n- nobody can do that by themselves and really do a good job of it. So, Marty, describe a. Uh, a general week in the life of Marty McGee when he's down there uh, covering these races. Obviously, you get some off days. I mean, how does the flow of things go, or is there a flow because a story could break like Kamari running this afternoon? Yeah, like my girlfriend Alicia says, her dad, her dad was a uh, Dr. Lacoco, the veterinarian, the famed veterinarian. You might have known him from his days at Turfway Park, but... Uh, um, he, 
it's just you never know when a horse is going to need some medicine. You never know when uh, something's going to happen that's newsworthy. So uh, generally, I, I work. I'm not going to say I work seven days a week, but it, it seems like I do. But trying to grab uh, some sun time, like on a Monday afternoon or a lot of a Tuesday. But on Mondays, people may not know this, but we're at the Daily Racing Forum. We're putting out both the Wednesday and Thursday editions on Mondays. So that's, I like to get my work done a lot Sunday. And <laughs> I work a lot. Of, I, I guess I work 35 to 40 Saturdays a year. And uh, down here, it's pretty much every Saturday. And uh, as you might know, John, I go over for the Sam Davis, spend five days over at Tampa for that. And then I'll, I'll, I'm actually leaving Tuesday to go over for the Tampa Bay Derby. Uh, next week, that'll be a week from Saturday, March 12th. And uh, then I'll come home uh, in time for the, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make the Jeff Ruby stakes this year, but I'll be home late March. But uh, there's, as you know, the reason for uh, such intense coverage, I guess you could say down here from myself, Mike Welsh, we used to have Jay Priven come until COVID hit and, you know, that threw everybody out of whack. But anyway, uh, it's it's a hotbed of, of where the good horses are. You've got Chad Brown, Bill Mott, Todd Pletcher, uh, ad infinitum. So uh, this is where the action is uh, at this time of year. A- absolutely. Now, Marty, I've never been to Palm Meadows. Have you been up there to watch any of the big horses work as they get legged up to come down to Gulfstream? Yeah, I've been to all of them. Uh, I haven't been to Palm Meadows this year, but I've probably been maybe, I don't know, a dozen times over the years. And it's just laid out, you know, as you would imagine, it's just there for training. There's not a lot of uh, bells and whistles to that i've also been to i haven't been to payson park in probably at least 10 15 years but i used to go up there i remember when favorite crick had been oh. switched out from uh, pat Byrne to bill mott it was the winter of uh, january of 98 and i'd go up there and went up there a couple times you know we he was the reigning horse of the year and mott was just trying to figure him out of course he, he ended up running the derby didn't run it very well but uh anyway i've, yeah, I've probably been there a half dozen times. John Hennig, Mark's dad. Uh, yeah. One of my visits there. He's, well, he's an Ohio guy, so you know. Grove him. City, but, baby. Yeah. John Hennig, I, you know, that big uh, bear claw hand of his, he reached out and said, welcome to paradise. When I was at uh, Payson Park, that had to be in the late 90s. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been to a lot of them. You know, I used to go over to Calder a little bit. I, I really liked Calder. They had According to Mike Welsh, he had the second best uh, press box in America. The first, of course, being Green Mountain in Vermont. Ah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but Calder now has been shuttered. And, uh, yeah, so there's, uh, there's all kinds of activity, equine activity going on down here. Well, Marty, you're just the man to cover it. You're, you, you, you've developed such a, a, a groove over the years and certainly connections. When you walk up to a barn, nobody's going to say who's that. They're going to know it's you. Um, you know, obviously an amazing card on Saturday, as, I, if I, as I've already said. But let's get right to the, the meat and potatoes, which would be the, the Derby and Oaks races. And I, let's start with, with the Fountain of Youth. Uh, because there's really a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, there, there's nobody that really jumps off the, the paper to me, Marty. I, we were both there to watch uh, Rattle and Roll uh, roll through the lane in the Breeders' Futurity. But but I, I think I've heard it intonated in enough columns that, you know, 
Kenny might be a little bit behind the clock on this. And do you think this is a catch-up race and not one that maybe he's got to win? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Like he should, if, if he were to run, I'd say third or fourth. Kenny would probably be satisfied. He has intimated, as you said, that that he is. He thinks he's really going to get in gear by the, by Derby time. So, which would be quite opportune. But I, I think one of the keys to this fountain of youth on Saturday, John, is there's so much speed in there. Even uh, even some some horses you've never heard of, like number eleven, O Captain. I would imagine he'll be sent by Javier Castellano from his outside post. The one horse, Markamian, he's another long shot. He will probably be sent from the inside post. And then you've got horses like Dean Delivers, who has never run around two turns. AP Secret, uh, High Oak, making his uh, three-year-old debut for. Billy Mott, uh, he was good enough to win a grade two, maybe a grade, it was a Saratoga special going short last year. So tons of speed in here. And, you know, John, we often talk about how they cancel each other out. It sets up for a closer, blah, blah, blah. And those would be Giant Game and Rattle and Roll and maybe uh, Simplification or Howling Time. But it's, you know, me, me making mention of all these horses, uh, just illustrates how wide open it seems to be. We hit, we will scratch number twelve, uh, Bodonical. He's going to run in the wood. I think I heard you mention that, but uh, uh, he would have been a closer too. I'd, it's going to be a real jumble. They have the short stretch going the mile and the sixteenth here at Gulfstream, as opposed to you know the way they do it at Keeneland for the mile mm-hmm. and sixteenth races. They stop at you know one hundred and ten yards short of the regular finish line, so. Um, that might play more favorably to a horse who, who gets first run. So, <clears throat> but I think the bottom line is, this, um, when they had the Risen Star a couple of weeks ago at Fairgrounds, I thought that was the deepest prep to date for the Derby. But I think this certainly would be right behind it, even though there's not a, a so-called marquee horse in here. I think there's a lot of talent in here. Emmanuel, really, uh, I know that Todd... Fletcher and uh, and Elliot Walden are really high on him, and uh, you know when they are, they kind of opened your eyes to, to you know to the fact he might be a good horse. So uh, yeah. a lot of it's going to depend on the trip because it, this this track, for whatever reason, it always seems like such a scramble when they go into that first turn, and it just continues that way to the wire here at Gulfstream. Yeah, Emmanuel caught my eye. Uh, Marty, another horse that caught my eye a little bit. I I. I don't know all the competition but this in due time it's a horse that's never faced uh, stakes horses but uh uh you know it, it looks like in due time and this might be his time he stretched out beautifully uh has taken pretty sizable leaps in his buyer speed figures and it looks to really be dangerous he, he's just one of the many you know that you touched on and i mean it's going to be hard to throw any out but he kind of caught my eye yeah, I mean, Kelly Breen told me this week that he had thought about going to the Tampa Bay Derby, which, by the way, is not coming up a real easy spot because you've got Classic Causeway and a couple of Pletchers and a couple other horses in there. It's going to make that a tough race. Right. But Kelly thought, let's just go on and throw him in the deep end of the pool. Uh, he's Although he did win going a mile, that was a one-turn mile here at Gulfstream, and this will be this Colt's first two-turn attempt. Uh, but Kelly said he's, he's done great since that allowance win when he defeated a couple of uh, 
really uh, highly regarded Pletcher horses in there. And, uh, you know, he's, a, he's another, another country to be heard from. He's another end with a good chance. He figures about eight to one or so. And, uh, that's pretty typical of this race. You got a lot of eight to one ish, 10 to one ish. If they win, uh, you probably wouldn't be all that surprised. No, no, you, you can't. It, it's it's going to be great from a better's perspective. Well, uh, th- there'll be uh, Oaks points given out. As you know, we've kind of moved up uh, into the next level as far as points are concerned now for the majority of the races. Uh, the Devonna Dale, grade two, 200,000. I, I got to think this race goes through girl with a dream, Marty. Yeah, I mean, she did, she did look good in her last win for Brad Cox. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised that he's, He's kept her around here because he last year Brad had his own string at Palmetto's, and that was the only time he kept maybe ten or twelve up there. But uh, he abandoned that for this year. But this horse in particular uh, is one that he sent over. I, I, I think it's a it's a pretty good race, John. I think that out Fox has been a, a real nice uh, uh, up and comer for for Billy Mott. Uh, cocktail moments. I know that Kenny was really pleased with the way she ran first time out. Kathleen O for the Hall of Famer, Shoot McGahee, and then uh, Sweet Danny Girl. Uh, I think she's under the radar in here for Carlo Baccarazza. So, uh, um, you know, this is, as usual, uh, this is a, a, a tough one, and whoever runs well in here will uh, have plenty of ammunition going forward to the next and final race in the series down here at Gulfstream. It's on Florida Derby Day, April 2nd. That would be the Gulfstream Oaks. It's an exciting time of the year, Marty, because as we've been talking about the, these these horses, you, you see that uh, Marty's pointed out uh, points that need to be factored in because it's that time of the year where, you, you know, these horses are going from being high school kids to being, you know, uh, college ball players in the division one and it's it's interesting to see how they develop physically mentally and and how they adjust as the distances uh pan out marty yeah and you know there's only a couple of races left for each of these horses you know that they'll get to run at this time uh you know in, in the next week or they've already had their second to last prep and then they'll run more time late march early april and that'll be it and then we'll all go to you know, the points will be set and we'll all be, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have, uh, established, uh, pretty much who's going to be in both the Oaks and the Derby. Now, Marty, I have to ask you this. We're talking with Marty McGee from the daily racing forum. You're a pretty connected guy and you, you're just smart. You, you look at racing with a global viewpoint. Um, what do you think could be the arrangement for the Baffert horses? I mean, he may have some of the best horses in North America, and yet they can't, uh, you know, compete in our major showcase races. Well, I think all of us, John, some of these horses, are actually the vast majority of the Baffert horses, have not been transferred out of his name into the care of, say, you know, everybody was guessing Fletcher and whoever else would, would get them. Um so it has become apparent, and I'm going to uh, defer to my uh, daily racing forum colleague Matt Haggerty, who's infinitely more up on up to speed on this. And just uh, a, a conversation I had with him a couple of weeks ago, it's become apparent that Baffert is going to try to do something, you know, do a legal end run whereby 
when entries are being taken for the Derby, uh, he will get some sort of court order that would permit him to run the horses that, you know, to, to date Messier and maybe a couple of others. And uh, it's Matt's opinion, Matt Haggerty, our legal or political or what a business guy for the, for the forum. He yeah. thinks that's a poor strategy. He thinks it's a losing strategy. And uh, what's ultimately going to happen is these horses will not be able to run in the Derby and they'll have to run in the Preakness. It, that's, it, 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 these are straight. I mean, you know, we had the COVID and, you know, then there was, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the water faucets drop of attendance that they finally let us uh, a be. And now you've got this situation, which you have to admit is, is major uh, in horse racing, at least for the time being with these young horses developing and so many of them being in one barn. Uh, these are interesting time, Marty's. But the thing is, once you get in that legal arena, can't either side always buy more time. So enough time would perhaps pass before it would be ruled before the derby well i don't know how that would transpire uh you know obviously bob is trying to uh have things struck down the, the two-year ban that churchill's placed on him saying he was not granted due process and uh, uh god there, there's just so much stuff going on and yeah, getting back to your, the point you're making, John, I, this will be my 49th Derby. I long to the days of spectacular bid and unbridled and, and genuine risk and Sunday silence and all that because we have had, think about it, 2017, always dreaming. It was run over a terribly sloppy racetrack. 2018, justify it was raining during the race, only time in the 147-year history of the Derby it's ever rained. It was it was just a quagmire. Yeah, it was I was I, standing I, in I, it. <laughs> yeah, 2019, same thing. Rainy, DQ, people booing, horrible. 2020, they ran it in September. Nobody could come. Uh, 2021, we have this horrible mess that is leading to 2022 being maybe the wackiest and weirdest and, and just uh, uh, <laughs> ugliest. Derby ever so I mean whatever happened to my old uh, my old Kentucky home I don't I don't know I don't know Marty you make me want to get in a time machine and transport to the late seventies you know <laughs> where after that we you know we had Seattle Slough and a firm Daily Dar mm -hmm. I mean you know I hate to sound like an old guy with my fist pump like, screaming at the clouds but you know those were the days Marty we just yeah, went we out were. And we raced <laughs> we were to see. we were Sweet yeah. Medicine. Oh, Marty, I can tap you for information all day long, but I know you got a beach outside that's probably crying for a walk. So uh, thanks for spending the time with us. I appreciate all the great coverage you do for the forum, and I'll catch up with you when you come back to Kentucky. I appreciate you having me, John. I'll see you at Kingland, buddy. All right. That was Martin McGee from the Racing Forum. Right now, we're going to talk to the news editor of the Blood Horse, none other than Byron King. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? 
Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, with, with us right now, uh, apparently uh, chewing on some peanuts, is none other than the news editor of By- of the Blood Horse, Byron King from Louisville, our second Louisville guest tonight. What a daily double! Byron, how are you, man? You 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 gotta you gotta paint the picture for us. I I know that you were doing such in, intense uh, investigation on the races down in Oakland that you drove down yourself to see it with your own eyes. Are, are you there? Is your car window down? <laughs> Something's happening, Byron. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't realize it was picking up the. I was bringing in my groceries, buddy. Multitasking. I apologize. Well, anyhow, yeah, the mic's open. (laughs) Well, my apologies. I didn't realize it was quite so so loud. But, yeah, it was a great trip down to Oakland. You know, I went, you know, when uh, I went down there and had a great time, got to see some friends and some good racing, the Rebel Stakes, oh, winning it at a big number. So it was a... Good day of racing down there at Oakland, but rather cold. I know. I saw that. You know, I, I, I always, you know, watch for the pony people because that's, that's your best barometer of how cold it really is. Not somebody standing in a suit coat with a microphone to their face. So <laughs> I saw everybody kind of bundled up pretty good as they were taking the horses to post. So, yeah, it's a, they do have their cold days there in, in, in Hot Springs. Did you bring some empty jugs with you? And go to the center of town and get some of that delicious, warm, free hot springs water they uh, give to the public. I did not do that, but I did go for a hike in the uh, the national park there, and uh, it was a rather cold, but it was beautiful. It was a lot of freezing rain. A lot of people forget that there is a national park there at uh, in Hot Springs, and. Um, well, it's not the Grand Canyon or anything that magnificent. It is a, a pretty park and uh, a nice little side trip on a on a dark day of racing. 
Yes, yes. Uh, of course, uh, I guess they're, <clears throat> they've been fixing back up some of the uh, legendary spas down there. So, uh, you know, people that are health conscious can go back. That's why they went there to get sit in them hot springs, you know, and re revigorate themselves. But I digress. So let's talk uh, about the it's it's not dirty dozen it's a uh, derby dozen yeah that that's it yeah yeah <laughs> well, the other one was one of my favorite movies growing up uh but uh byron puts it together for the blood horse it's really easy to find just go up the triple crown column and boom it'll drop down byron king's derby dozen and uh so y you were you know a little busy doing some shuffling and you're going to have fun uh, getting to the watching the Fountain of Youth this week, but l let's go back to what you witnessed uh, at Oaklawn Park, starting with the absolutely stunning performance of uh, Secret Oath, the filly in the Honeybee. Right, she was um, now she is not a part of the Derby Dozen. Uh, trainer Dean Wayne Lucas had kind of hinted beforehand that maybe he'd take a swing. If he won the Honey Bee, maybe he'd try the Arkansas Derby with the Philly and then uh, go on, and, and if she were successful there, they could go on to the Derby because she essentially earned enough points to assure herself uh, entry into the Kentucky Oaks um, by winning the Honey Bee. She was, uh, looked very good. I don't think the Oaklawn crew is, is magnificent that, that was behind her, but she won it the way that you would want her to, and she has just really put it together. I'm a little a little concerned that she didn't run so well at Churchill Downs last fall, but beyond that, she's really hard to poke holes in in terms of a, of a prospect for the Kentucky Oaks. I think clearly at the head of the class, though she hasn't yet run at three, is Echo Zulu, the champion two-year-old filly of last year who was unbeaten. She is training, I believe she's up to 5.8s now in her training, and we'll probably be gearing up in late March and early April, and I think uh, should she run there, she'll head into the Oaks probably as the favorite. Well, we'll find out. She, she's got a little bit of catching up to do. The interesting thing, of course, uh, uh, 144 and uh, 4, uh, her time in the honeybee, and at the exact same distance, uh, the Rebel <clears throat> went in 145 and 4. So uh, that's a, a full second on, on the clock, uh, a lot of distance. And uh, so that was a pretty impressive performance. And I think it's just great to see the coach D. Wayne Lucas, uh, you know, getting the recognition he deservedly gets for a career well-led. Well, certainly uh, he's, you know, one of the most accomplished trainers in in, in modern history and just um, amazing performance. And obviously he's had a bit of a lull in the last, I would say, you know, 10 15 years or so. So to see him back with not only this Philly, but we'll talk about it uh, as well, he had the runner-up in the Arkansas Derby, so uh, his stock is a little bit better this year, so he's coming in with some nice horses. One thing to point out regarding the time of the Rebel, right before the Rebel ran, I want to say, because I literally went out after they ran the paddock, oh, let's go outside, watch this one live, and it starts to rain, you know, so <clears throat> the track was, I think, still cold fast, but it had rained for about 
five or six minutes immediately before the the rebel stakes, and so that might have impacted the, the speed of the track a little bit. So one thing to keep in mind, but no doubt Secret Oath is a very, very good horse, but I did not include any of the rebel horses in my Derby Dozen simply because I just didn't feel like it was that great a race. Nobody really leaped out at me as running so great that they warranted being in the top 12. Un Ojo stalked the pace, stayed on the inside, looked beaten in mid-stretch, but the two horses in front of him um, at the eighth pole both winked considerably. There were not a lot of shippers in the race. New Grange came from Baffert uh, from the West Coast. He had previously won the, the Southwest, and he just really didn't show up. So um, putting that all together... You know, I'm just not sure of the the, the brilliance of the race. Lucas is runner-up. Um, uh, Ethereal, Ethereal Road, Road, I believe. Yes, Ethereal Road. Uh, he, in my mind, ran the best race of the horses. He was a little bit wide, uh, but at the same time, you know, it was probably three or four wide most of the race. You know, mid-stretch, he had it won, and he just didn't finish it off. But uh, I would say that he ran, he would get the highest marks for me in that performance. Yeah, I, and, but I will say in the blink of an eye, I, I watched the replay today, uh, that Barber Road was closing like a bat out of hell. Now, I know that's never a good way to go into the the big one, but it, it was a pretty quick turn of foot there uh, for Barber Road. But we'll find out. They, they, you've only got a dozen. They can't, they can't all make it. But where some may make it and some already have made it um, – is the phasing Tipton Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream Park? I was just talking to Marty McGee about it a little while ago. And uh, the, the Derby dozen, let me see, one, two, three, there's still four. There were going to be five Derby dozen horses, uh, but Mo Donegal, uh, they say he got a fever. I think he got allergic to the post position number 12 myself. And so he's going to go up for the wood, I believe. But anyhow, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know if you were surprised or whatever when you opened up. You said, holy cow, there's, you know, four horses that are going to start and, you know, the fountain of youth that are on my derby dozen. I mean, let's face it, somebody's going to move up and some may fall off the list. Right. It's a very, very good field, even as you mentioned with Mo Donegal coming out. He likely would have been the favorite. Uh Maybe people might have gotten off him a little bit from the outside post, uh, but uh, no doubt it's still a very strong field. You've got simplification in there. You've got rattle and roll. You've got uh, in due time. I mean, you've got um, – who's the other one I'm blanking on? But but there's another one in there that's just not coming to me right off the top of my head. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, so yes. you've got four really nice horses in here. <clears throat> and I think part of that has to do with the fact that as you and Marty were talking about, this year has kind of been turned upside down with the Baffert suspensions and whatnot that typically, you know, we'd be talking about his horses. Uh, he'd be having undoubtedly probably three horses in the Derby dozen and having this kind of strength, that kind of thing coming from California. And instead we're going, well, it looks like he's not going to be running. So, uh, I think part of this, I think, could be influenced by the fact that Baffert's had such a stranglehold over California racing to such a degree that 
sense, he looks kind of like, unless he wins some legal cases, like he's going to be out of the picture, um, the balance of power is kind of shifted to uh, the eastern part of the country and to Florida and Louisiana, where in my mind, those two circuits where those horses have been running have performed the best. Um, I lumped some of the Louisiana horses that ran in the Risen Star were actually shipped over from, from Florida, uh, being Smile Happy and Zandon. So uh, Florida's got some good ones, and it's easy to understand, you know? I mean, you can train your horses in the morning, go to the beach in the afternoon, you know? It's, it's a tough <laughs> life, right? Absolutely. Uh, a, a good way to go. Now, I, I wanted to know, uh, because even Marty had talked about a, a, that Emmanuel was kind of a buzz horse, uh, you know, from the people at Windstar and, you know, not that Pletcher uh, ever says anything, but where, where did you hear about this horse? Because all of a sudden this horse popped up on your Derby Dozen. And I'm like, you know, this is before I had past performances in front of me and I'm like, who is this horse? And and how did you find him? Is this one of those things where, you know, you get up at five in the morning and clock the horse with a flashlight and stuff? No, not so much that. I wish it were that exciting. I could give you a really good story. <laughs> it would be better. But typically what it, what happens for me is I, of course, start following these horses um, in their two-year-old season. And I start kind of putting together a preliminary list, you know, around – Breeders' Cup time, right? And a lot of those horses naturally are the ones that run in the Juvenile or the Kentucky Jockey Club and so forth. So obviously, uh, though he's not in it, you know, Corniche at the time was shortlisted, having having won the Breeders' Cup and Smile Happy from the Kentucky Jockey Club. And then in the weeks that follow, you know, if a horse breaks his maiden impressively, as Emmanuel did at Gulfstream Park, he gets put on the list. And you know, any other kinds of horses. And then I kind of whittle it down, and Emmanuel followed that nice maiden win by heading over to Tampa, and he didn't beat the greatest of fields, and he enjoyed a rather easy lead up front. But he kicked away smartly in the lane, and it was a total prep race. And this is the kind of stuff that Fletcher likes to do. He sent Always Dreaming, one of his two Kentucky Derby winners to prep in a similar uh, easy race at Tampa. Uh, he also ran <clears throat> Super Saver in the Tampa Bay Derby there. So he's he's certainly um, happy to send one over to Tampa Bay. A lot of times, too, they write a bit more two-turn races because so many races at Gulfstream might be out of the one-turn mile, and he likes to, to utilize that. So that's how he ended up on that. And Obviously, you know, you see Windstar owning it, and they're always well-bred. They're always well-prepared, you know, and Fletcher's getting the cream of the ones that they they send out to their trainers. Now, another horse on your list that, uh, you know, when I first read his name, I scratched my head a little bit, was uh, uh, In Due Time, a horse we discussed briefly earlier. This horse just kind of catches my eyes, you know. You know, wins at five and a half, uh, third at, at six, then comes back and wins with authority uh, at a mile. Looks like a horse is just going in the right direction. And, and you caught on to this horse early. Where'd you get wind of in due time? Same thing. I actually was, I have to admit, I was not super fired up about him after his first two starts. I mean, his first run was at 
uh, New Jersey last year. Then he was off for a while, and he came back and he ran a decent third in a sprint race. Uh, but as horses will do, second time off a layoff, boy, he really elevated his game, and he won a first-level allowance optional claimer at Gulfstream going a mile. And in that particular race, uh, Pletcher had two really well-regarded, hyped horses, and this horse, you know, uh, just blew him away. Uh, admittedly, with a fast pace that he was able to stalk behind, but I mean, he won by like what five or six. It was it was a rather good-looking performance, and he has the pedigree to suggest that he should do very well uh, around two turns, even though he has yet to do it uh, run. But I'm not really viewing him as a as a type that that shouldn't handle it. I think he will relish it, and I think he he may have benefited the most by the draw of the the um, Fountain of Youth. He's he's pretty pretty nicely drawn, I think, in four or thereabouts, and there's a good amount of speed, and it looks like he should be able to you know get a nice kind of stalking position behind the speed, and uh, I would expect that. Uh, the conditions are right for him to run well. Well, we could pretty much go down the field and you could end your statement just like that one <laughs> because there's so many horses here that could, they could easily jump up and not, it wouldn't surprise you when you went back and looked at things. Um, it doesn't seem like we're getting much talk and certainly this weekend in a uh, what would be a derby prep, uh, the, the Gotham, uh, about the horses uh, – on the East coast, except for Florida horses, obviously. Um, I, I guess it's just, uh, with the ability to ship and so many big outfits heading down to Florida, uh, maybe you just don't get the big dogs uh, up at aqueduct anymore this time of year. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, I mean, where would you rather be in the, in the winter, you know, in Allendale, Florida or in Elmont, New York at Belmont? I, you know, I think, um, that kind of explains it a little bit, doesn't it? You know, it's it's the nature of it. It's, you know, you don't have to deal with interruptions in training when you have snowstorms and you don't, it's more pleasant. You're not there, you, you know, shivering in the cold watching your horse train or, you know, if you're the exercise rider up in the, on the horse itself. Uh, so the better horses head south. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Now, obviously, at this time of year, you start to see some of them ship up as they are doing um, to run in this race. But I personally think this race is hampered by it being a one-turn mile. Um, the preceding one is a mile and an eighth, and then the wood is a mile and an eighth. So this race is kind of like this tweener thing, and uh, I personally think they would do better if it were a two-turn race, even if they had them all at a mile and an eighth, just because people aren't thinking about one turn mile with derby horses at this time of year. I think they want to run two turns. So you have a number of sprinters that are kind of stretching out a little bit. Now, having said all that, they did get a a nice medium sized field and a pretty good field, but in terms of mile and a quarter horses exiting it, I'm not so sure about that. Well, uh, I got about two minutes left. You may not even had a chance to look at the race, but it, it could have a derby implications. Uh, the, the San Felipe, this is a mile and a 16th at Santa Anita. And, uh, you know, it looks like uh, we've got a couple of Baffert and a couple of Doug O'Neill uh, trainees, which is 
No surprise this time of year out at Santa Anita. Uh, none of them, though, on the Derby dozen. I don't know if you've had a chance to peruse the field. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, these the Baffert horses in here look good. You know, you have uh, uh, you have Doppelganger who comes off a fine fourth in the San Vicente, but he's fairly lightly raced, and I believe the other one's name is Armagnac, who won going a route second time out. But as I mentioned earlier, they're trained by Baffert, so let's just operate on the assumption that unless things change, they're not running. They're certainly not uh, not earning points right now. So the rest of the field, they come with question marks. You know, the San Vicente winner has yet to route. He's a speedball. He's got a little bit of sprint influence on his dam side. His, his dam uh, was a graded stakes winning sprinter at two. Uh, she's by five star day. So there's some question mark, uh, whether he wants to stretch out to two turns, even though he's by American Pharaoh, uh, of course, the triple crown winner, uh, and the other ones, you know, aren't particularly accomplished. They might be trying a change of experiment, you know, some ones having blinkers off and others moving off the turf. Um, you know, so there's some question marks from, from some of the competitors. So, don't think the race is as strong as in years past. Well, Byron King, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. And uh, just this conversation with you shows everybody uh, how much ahead of the game you are uh, in digesting these races, uh, particularly before you uh, put it in print and send it out as Byron King's Derby Dozen with the Blood Horse. Byron, always great to hear your voice. Be well, and thanks so much for joining us. John, thank you for having me, my friend. You be well tonight, too. All right, I will. Byron King, the news editor from The Blood Horse and longtime columnist with the daily racing form, Marty McGee, two great guests. And don't forget, folks, an outstanding weekend of racing, particularly at Gulfstream Park in Santa Anita. It's too much for one man to take, so we've already done the work for you. Come on over, winningponies.com. Check out the easy win forms. If you ever wanted to sample a little, this would certainly be the weekend to do it. So for my guests, uh, Marty and Byron, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head. Not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.